1: Hello and welcome to Spartanspeak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host, podcast producer and sports writer for the LSJ. Joined by <coughs> record scratch, not Chris Solari and Graham Couch. I am joined by Lansing State Journal sports storyteller Nate Atkins. Nate, welcome to the Spartan Speak podcast. I believe this is your second time appearing on it. Uh, something like
0: that. It might be the third time I I came in after a couple of Michigan state's worst games when they had to roll in the B crew. Um, (laughs) this is the first time though, in a normal week setting though. And it's, um, what a time to roll it out, you know, with the the weirdness of 2020, you know, got to do things different, got to shake it up. Um, so there's not much more shaking it up that you can do than a film based podcast before we even have a depth chart. I mean,
1: it's, (laughs) I mean, Michigan State is the only team that hasn't released a depth chart, but it certainly did not help people in trying to. Well, maybe you know. Ultimately, I guess sports writers, maybe the college football teams don't care, <laughs> you know, about sports writers and and what they yeah. need to do and stuff like oh, that. But it. it would have been helpful, a little helpful, to maybe release a depth chart, kind of at least a little guide to see where things are going going forward here. So you kind of mentioned this. Like, I guess I showed this maybe off the top before I before I introduced you. This is a. This is a podcast that will still appear under the Spartan Speak uh, banner every Thursday, but this will be a different podcast we're doing. This will be we're we're to be calling this the Film Room podcast, where it'll be me and Nate Atkins every week, every Thursday, be dropping into your into your podcast listening app of choice, where Nate is going to take a look at the Michigan State film and then the opponents of Michigan State as well, and we will talk about tendencies, what we're seeing, what we're not seeing. Uh, where Nate thinks Mel Tucker's doing good, where Mel Tucker's do bad, and maybe what he, they, him and his staff can exploit uh, on their future opponent.
0: Yeah, just something different. We thought we'd try this year, and uh, I'm going to be a little coach speak at times and say, you know, we're just trying to get better one week at a time because obviously <laughs> the easy challenge right now is we haven't even seen a snap of Michigan State in a practice setting. We didn't even get to see him in the spring practice or a spring game with the weirdness of how 2020 went. So um, each week when we get a little bit more film, once we have one Michigan State game then two, then three, I think it'll get a lot easier for us to see at least what this new coaching staff is trying to do. And that goes for other teams that are playing. So this week, you know, is about as big of a challenge as it gets with Michigan State, brand new coaching staff, Rutgers, brand new coaching staff. Neither one wants to, you know, even announce a starting quarterback, let alone, you know, give away any other secrets, but, I do think there's plenty else we can learn just in the histories of the coaches and and some of the guys in the roster and how they fit what these coaches have worked with before. And so this is kind of just kind of figuring out some initial impressions going into week one. And then, you know, we can always measure it up with how the week goes. And it's one of those things I think can just kind of grow in our understanding and, and maybe our curiosity just week by week.
1: Yeah, and we'll try our best to explain certain things going forward. When you mention the coach like if you're saying eleven formation, twelve formation, twenty-one formation, stuff like that. We'll explain to you if you don't know what that means, we'll explain to you guys exactly what that means. <laughs> Although it's once you once you learn what it means. Sorry, I'm laughing. Nate's microphone fell <laughs> I was explaining that. Uh it, it's it's a it's a pretty simple explanation. And we know football coaches don't like simple, so it kinda helps a little bit in that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we're you know, we're not uh we're not exactly football coaches or football experts. So, um, you know, our goal is try to break it down as simply as we can. So, uh, we're not going to be talking on the level of, uh, you know, the actual coaches themselves, but, you know, hopefully at least in a way that goes beyond, um, what you might see just watching on a Saturday broadcast. And, um, you know, you're just trying to mesh it up with a lot of what we hear during the week from, uh, from these interviews and what you understand about their backgrounds. So we'll do it as plainly as we can, but, Um, you know, we're learning as we go along
1: as well. Excuse me. I have five years as a junior high football coach under my belt, so I'm ready to explain everything as intricately as possible. That's true,
0: and uh, anyone <laughs> who played high school football in the state of Indiana, where you can make the playoffs at zero and nine, is uh, <laughs> as qualified as they
1: come. Exactly, I say
0: having not even played my senior year of high school football, but we won't get into that. We're <laughs> here to a- talk about a different team.
1: And I was most of the time being very sarcastic about my coaching. Well, I'm not sarcastic. Actually I actually have a co- the coaching background, but uh, the the things that we ran. The teams that I, the, the team I played for in high school and the schools I coached at in college, the offenses and defenses have evolved so much. Like I haven't, co- the, my last year I coached was 2005, so that might as well be 1955, too, you know.
0: <laughs> well, so Some people might mistake that offense for what Michigan State ran at times whoa. the past couple of years. Whoa. So
1: whoa, whoa. Shots fired already. We're not even five minutes into the podcast. I love it. All right, well, let's get started here if you're ready, Nate.
0: Yep, ready to go.
1: All right. Well, first off, we're going to look at the Michigan State offense versus the Rutgers defense. As uh, as Nate mentioned, they both teams have new offensive coordinators. Whereas Michigan State's is Jay Johnson, who came with Mel Tucker from Colorado and had previous stops at Southern Miss, Louisiana, and Minnesota. I mean, he's coached at a billion other places too, but those those were his most recent offensive coordinator roles. And then uh, Rutgers' defensive coordinator is Rob Smith, who also has a relationship. With his coach Greg Shiano at Rutgers, he was the defense coordinator at Rutgers from 2009 to 2012, and was also with Shiano at Tampa Bay when he <laughs> during that stint when he was uh, in retrospect inexplicably the Buccaneers coach. So, so a lot a lot to take in. These are all veteran. You know, when you're looking at Jay Johnson and Rob Smith, and we'll include Greg Shiano since he's a defensive guy like Mel Tucker. I mean, these guys have lengthy histories. So there's it's either a lot to take down or it's a lot of the same things to look on. So what are, I guess let's start with the Michigan State offense. What what can we expect from Jay Johnson on Saturday versus Rutgers?
0: Yeah, interesting thing is I mean Jay Johnson everywhere he goes it's pretty obvious his background is quarterbacks and it you know and it's all about managing the guy he has under center there. And so you know, this is his second stint in the Big 10. You know, he was at M- Minnesota back in 2016. And I kind of found that film to be as interesting and maybe as revealing as um, you know, the Colorado stuff from last year because, you know, as we all know, Pac-12 offense is just a little different in nature than, uh, than, than Big Ten offenses. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a guy who's going to run, uh, you know, he's going to run a, a no huddle spread offense at times, but it's really interesting the way that they vary their formations because, you know, the one staple you'll see is he always has a quarterback who's not under center. He's back usually in pistol, sometimes in shotgun. They'll always have three receivers, but outside of that, you might have you know an offense that scrunches everybody right at the line of scrimmage and makes it just this this chaos off the snap of the ball, or they spread it way out down the line where they're trying to get receivers all the way outside the numbers, and it just kind of has everything to do with what uh, he's trying to get accomplished on that play, usually in the running game. Um, so, and you know, the best way to kind of think about the way they like the way they'll do it, I think a lot here because I think the strength of this. Michigan State offense is in the wide receivers, at least the talent level, now that you bring in Jaden Reed from uh, from Western Michigan, uh, finally get a potential downfield vertical threat, is spread it out like that and create some of these kind of lighted boxes for a running back like Elijah Collins to take the ball up the middle. And, you know, they'll run out of pistol, um, they'll run out of shock, and the, the, the running back is just, the tailback is way back, in um, his alignment, so that he can kind of get the ball and get rolling before he gets through the line. And so, you know, it, it kind of lightens things for the for the offensive line, which they'll need because I don't think that's the strength of Michigan State this year um, by any stretch. But uh, it's just going to be one of those. It's going to be interesting to see how Rutgers, obviously specifically, but teams this season respect that talent on the outside because, I mean, the guys we talk about, you know, they're, whether it's you know Julian Barnett, Jalen Naylor. Um, Jaden reed there's a lot of you know potential but it's not guys who've done it in the big 10 and so you know it'll be an interesting chess match especially on saturday as do they come out and does rutgers just already respect the pure potential and the idea of what they're doing if they spread them out or do they make them kind of prove it out wide before they actually um, spread it out and, and lighten that box and that's what will be interesting to see
1: yeah it's it's kind of interesting that you you think of the wide receivers are really at sort the of strong suit because, and you also mentioned that they're just, they're relatively inexperienced. Yes. Jalen Naylor has had, had some big moments. Most of those were in 2018 and he's got plenty of games in the world, but he's not, you know, he's not that experienced. And Trey Mosley got some, a little bit of time last year. Jaden, Jaden Reed hasn't stepped on the field in 2018. So you would think that maybe, you know, Elijah Collins was the guy who really had a, a strong the strongest 2019 out of those four so you so you would think that maybe they would do the run game or maybe focus on the game maybe a little bit more even with you know you the offensive line that, that you mentioned so but you don't think that will be the case
0: yeah I think they are going to surprise us a little bit it's just a hunch based on how I think they've uh, they've kind of managed their personnel in the past um, we may be you know I just think Michigan State was an offense that just had to you know like you said these receivers weren't going like last year they didn't have Jaden Reed they didn't have this guy that that could go um outside the numbers and push it down the field so they were kind of trying to win um Michigan State was trying to win kind of four yards at a time and that's an offense Elijah Collins could do well you know not a breakaway runner but a guy who you know absorbs contact pretty well and has some pretty good vision um I just think they like their receivers this year and I think that's what's going to be a little bit different but um At the same time, you, you've got to mesh that with what's at quarterback, and that's kind of the huge mystery that's out there for michigan state is is just what the quarterback position will bring. I'm fully expecting it to be Rocky Lombardi on Saturday. I think that you know we've had some situations where uh it's just kind of this gamesmanship heading into it, but that's the guy who's been experienced and waiting for this role who also has a skill set Jay Johnson looks for as a mobile quarterback. Um, so it's, it's going to be a lot of what, you know, whether he can connect down the field. But I think they, they really like the receivers they have, the potential they have to get the ball down the field. But it's all going to mesh together. I mean, I don't think spreading it out wide um, and outside the numbers means they're not believing Elijah Collins. I just think yeah. they think if we do that and we give him a lightened box, you know, then he can do some pretty neat things once he gets up you know, past that initial wave.
1: Yeah, so we we talked about the formations earlier. So we kind of expect them to come out in eleven formation a majority of the time then, right? With one one running back, one tight end, which is where the eleven comes from. The running back numbers first, tight end numbers second, eleven formation, and then three wide receivers on top of that.
0: Yeah, I think they're almost always gonna have three wide receivers. You will see some times where it gets a little bit confusing as to whether in Jay Johnson's offense, whether a player is a tight end or a running back, because They just they kind of like line up offset sort of at a tight end spot, but sometimes it'll look like a full house backfield sort of Mm. deal. Um, It's just a way to um, just kind of way to get extra blockers down in there. But you look at the skill set of Michigan State. I mean, their tight ends are not really built as blockers right now. They're they're built as athletes, which I think they will like in a lot of ways. But yeah, to your point, I think we're gonna have more. Uh, more one tied down on the field because of that these just aren't natural blockers you want to bring out through week one and expect it to work that way
1: yeah it 'll be interesting to see you know I'll try i'll try 'll try to keep track of inside too the percentage of times that they come out in that formation same with and then we 'll see if they work i don 't think they would do a a two running back backfield too much with Hayward and Collins in the, at the same time but or maybe we even see uh Hayward line up as an h back or, or or something like that
0: I think they will use him that way. Um it, I think again it's hard week one's just so tough. We didn't have a spring game. Yeah. These kind of things they want to try out against a live defense that's not just the guys they hit every day. Um some of that's got to develop a little bit. But I do think in time they they're looking at uh at Connor Hayward that way. You know, he's a guy who's slimmed up uh you know entering this season and who's you know who's shown some some ability to catch the ball. Um I do think they'll use him at times in some of these kind of play action. you will see a lot of play action or at least it's kind of like a soft play action and a weird pistol spaced out backfield. Um, But they do a lot of this fake to a back and send them one way. And uh, I think they'll use that to their advantage at times.
1: Now, uh, regarding the pistol formation, did they, did Michigan state run that a lot with Brian Lewerke or was that basically straight shotgun when he was not underneath the center?
0: Uh, They were more traditional shotgun. Okay. Uh, Jay Johnson's looks a lot like a lot more like pistol. He'll do some shotgun too. It'll, you know, but it's just quarterbacks usually backed off the ball. They just like to have, like I said, the tailback back further than the quarterback right. um, to both give the option to kind of give a soft play action look, but also when they do run it, just it kind of gives that back a little more of a charging start to the line of scrimmage, so that when he does meet right. a linebacker or a safety coming downhill, he's got a better chance.
1: So if you don't, if you guys don't know the difference between pistol and shotgun, so let's say on a shot, when the quarterback is lined up in shotgun. Uh, the quarterback is usually six yards. We'll say five or six yards off the line of scrimmage. Whereas in the pistol formation, it's roughly half that. So he'll only be three yards off the line yep. of scrimmage and taking the shotgun snap. Do I have that correctly? Yep. yep. That's it. Very good. Uh, you mentioned the quarterback situation. I personally think uh, – I said this on the Spartan Speak podcast on Tuesday, and I'm not wavering. I think the fact that Mel Tucker refused to say Rocky Lombardi was a starting quarterback on Tuesday – I take it to me, it's going to be one of the other two guys on Saturday. Now, uh, our Spartan Speak compadres, Kristen Grammer, with you, and probably most of the Michigan State beat writers, probably also feel trucking the party, but I am willing to put myself out there. I, I mm. So, I'm just saying...
0: Spicy take in week so, one. I yeah, know, as podcast. I
1: said, that, that is my Skip Bayless level uh, random hot take. So, But, I mean, I, we haven't seen Theo Day and... Peyton Thorne at all. I've never seen any of them in person. I mean, you didn't even get a limited chance to look at him in practice either. So it's, it's really just a toss up. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a mystery. I mean, that's, that's why I'm hesitant to kind of break too much down based on their high school backgrounds. At least Rocky's a guy we've seen in a couple of starts, you know, back when he did play in 2018. Um, he's a, he's a guy who came in as a dual threat quarterback and he showed it at times. I mean, that was probably his biggest strength in 2018 was, um, was when he was able to take off with his feet. And that's just something you look at Jay Johnson quarterbacks. That's always a part of their background. Um you know, last time he was in the big ten, Mitch Leiner was his quarterback at Minnesota, ran for more touchdowns than he threw for. Now I think some of that spoke to <laughs> Leiner was not great throwing down the field, but you know it's it's also a way to ease things into into what Jay Johnson eventually wants them to be. That was his first year at Minnesota. I think he'll do stuff like that. If Rocky Lombardi is a quarterback or even another dual-threat guy um, who's out there like Peyton Thorne, um, if it is, I think they're going to really rely on the legs because yeah. it does two things. It, it allows them to eventually set up the timing they need with like a Jaden Reed down the field. It's the hardest play to to pull off in the game, um, but it also is going to really save them for, uh, from their weakness at tackle when you can get the quarterback outside and, and moving away from that rather than in just stationary dropback.
1: Gotcha. Well, let's talk about the Rutgers defense here a little bit. As I said earlier, uh, the defensive coordinator is Rob Smith, and he has plenty of history of Greg Shiano. What what can we expect from Rutgers, and how can Michigan State attack that?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is where this needs to be Michigan State's kind of um, confidence builder of a game because Rutgers, as we know, was just brutal on defense last year—one of the worst in the country—and especially up front, they are they're they're really weak. And this is where they. Uh, This is why Greg Shiano is recruited hard after the defensive end position because he runs a 4-3 defense and he loves to just have those guys who just whip tail at the defensive end and so that he doesn't have to uh, blitz as much that he can be uh, he he loves to move his linebackers around it only is going to work if they just dominate in that one gapping four man front on defense I don't think they're built for that at all right now so. It'll be interesting to see if he just he forces it or if he realizes, you know, we've got to play a little different way right now. Um, my understanding of Greg Shiano, if I had to be a betting man, is that he will probably force it because um, he forced it the last time he was a defense coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, they did not have... You know they, they had some personnel losses, and he would keep doing the same thing where he'd, he'd play these linebackers up at the line of scrimmage. He'd vacate the middle of the field. And again and again, they'd give up these huge 70, 80-yard runs because they didn't have those defensive ends who could just kind of blow uh, the play up in the backfield. And it was to a point where he was getting asked about it like every week on a Big Ten teleconference and yeah. just said, you know, we, we kind of do what we do. Um, so I don't expect... Yeah, we talk about Rob Smith having worked with Greg Sciano. It's Greg Schiano's defense that Rob Smith is helping run. I yeah. mean, that's why Greg Schiano's gotten where he is, so – he will do what he does, and I think it's gonna help Michigan State out a lot this week because Rutgers just doesn't have the personnel to do it.
1: Yeah, Michigan State last year, eleven different offensive linemen started games for them, which is a, a crazy number and and not and not what you're looking for. But if you want to turn that into a positive spin zone, you have eleven guys that started games last year, and that you can twist that to describe that as a, a an offensive line with experience, and maybe that's something that Michigan State can take into Saturday and maybe exploit with the with the run game against Shiano's defense in the front seven there?
0: I think they definitely can. I mean, this is, like I said, I'm most concerned with the offensive line at Michigan State, particularly the tackles after Jordan Reed opted out. But, you know, this is a game where, like I said, that's Rutgers' weakest position is those edge defenders. And also, like you said, there's a lot of experience, at least in the middle of it. I think uh, you could kind of tell Matt Allen's kind of licking his chops this week just to get out there and play and Um, And and kind of set a line of scrimmage. And um, I think that's going to be the way they need to try and win this week is let's just go up. um, Let's play where Rutgers can't play. And uh, I think that's at the line of scrimmage.
1: All right, well, let's move on to the other sides of the ball for each of these teams, We're taking the Rutgers offense versus the Michigan State defense. And we'll start with the Rutgers offense on uh, first. Their offensive coordinator is Sean Gleason. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator at Princeton from 2017 to 2018, and last year he was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Michigan State's defense coordinator is Scotty Hazleton. Uh, he has previously been the defensive coordinator at Nevada, Wyoming, and Kansas State, at least those his last three defensive coordinator stops. And he was also with Bell tucker in Jacksonville in the NFL. So uh, the, the, the Gleason, the Gleason Shiano connection appears to be a relatively new one while Hazleton and Tucker have a, a pretty solid relationship. But uh, as I said, let's start with Rutgers offense. What can we expect from Sean Gleason and whoever is starting yes. quarterback for them?
0: Yeah, that, they're playing the mystery game too. You know, I, I would happen to guess, you know, since Sean Gleason came in and he was a big reason that Noah Vedral transferred from Nebraska um, which was a kind of modern style offense, you know, I have a feeling he's the the favorite to do this, that they're going to kind of start fresh and do their own thing rather than go to guys that Rutgers played with and struggled with before. Um, and, and I think the whole idea of 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 Shiano going after a guy like Gleason was, you know, to fulfill a promise to get a more modern offense. Yeah. You know, so he, he built Rutgers, you know, from the ground up one time, but this isn't, this isn't the same thing as 2005, you know, that's yeah. the identity crisis Michigan state went through. So it was interesting to see him go out and get a guy from Oklahoma state who, you know, who had an offense where Chubba Hubbard ran for 2000 yards. Um, I think that's going to be kind of the way they try and lean in this game, even though obviously they don't have a, have a Chubba Hubbard, um, but they're running back. Isaiah Pacheco, I think it's pronounced, um, ran for 729 yards last year. So He's definitely their most experienced and and productive player who's back. Um, so I think you'll see, like we said with Michigan State, I think they're going to run a lot too, um, since they've got new quarterback and heck, we don't even know if they've told the quarterback which one's going to end up starting. So there's a lot of unknowns everywhere, but there's more unknowns in the passing game than the run game. So I expect them to lean on that.
1: Yeah, and uh, that makes sense too because Michigan State is missing f- or five. They have to replace five starters, four or five. St- We'll say 4.5, 4.5 starters in the front seven. Uh, so it seems like that might be a place for them to to attack early. Yeah,
0: I think so. And I mean, you you're getting a Michigan State defense that's changing, and you know, and it's personnel for the uh, it's personnel, but also it's scheme for the first time in a few years. And um, yeah, I, that's definitely the side of the ball. It's it's weird to think about this, but in terms of returning personnel and um, and who's established at what they are, I think. That's the side of the ball that's got a few more questions in the offense for once this year.
1: All right, well, let's move on to uh, the Michigan State defense uh, on Tuesday. Spartan speak. Uh, Chris Salari kind of intimated that he thought it's possible that we might see Michigan State run a four-two-five just based on the type of personnel that they have available uh, with uh, with Simmons and, and Harvey as the linebackers, and then maybe bringing up maybe a, a maybe a Michael Dowell as potentially a safety playing in kind of a rover-type position. Is that something Hazelton has done in this past, or is that something not something we you, we you would not expect to see on Saturday?
0: It is quite a bit like uh, ah. how Hazelton did it at, at Kansas State. Um, and I, what's interesting to see is, is how much of that – I do kind of agree about the personnel because you've got – we know what Antoine Simmons is, and, and Noah Harvey played a little last year, but especially Antoine Simmons is such a rangy guy that he can play in a two-linebacker set. Uh, decently well compared to some other guys you might try and force into that role. What's going to be interesting to see is you know how much of what Hazelton did at Kansas State was you know what he wants to do with a defense versus what he was up against in the Big 12 before he even recruited any players. Um, you know Big 12 is just kind of trying to survive on defense, and so what he would do there is he would run a 4-2-5, two high safeties, and then often that robber type safety or just a, a nick, you know, extra DBs on the field and, and kind of a nickel or dime set pretty much telling, pretty much deciding, you know, we're not going to dominate on defense, but we're going to make you drive the length of the field. We're going to eliminate, um, the, the 80 yard bombs and hope that in the course of an eight play drive, you turn it over. That's not always the way people have to play defense in the big 10. You don't, you shouldn't fear wreckers the same way that you fear offenses in the big 12, but, um, you know but that's what he went with last year and in, in you know in defensive install is the hardest thing about not having the live reps for as long as they did that is not as well done over zoom as as learning your role in an offensive playbook so um yeah, yeah they, i'm really curious how they do that
1: i think we're seeing that in the nfl too obviously you know yeah. i think points are coming at a premium if you're if you're a betting man the over is the over is hitting the total points of the game, an extensive amount of time compared to. Yeah. And the SEC
0: is seeing points galore right now. Yep. So I just think when you have lots of turnover at the college level, like Michigan state does on defense, and then you haven't had the normal install process and then your week one is conference opponents. Um, this is where Michigan state lucked out as well as they could getting records week one, not that it's a freebie win, but that it's the closest that any team has to a normal week one non-conference um before getting smacked in the face, like Nebraska's going to have at Ohio
1: State. <laughs> well, they good, good job getting Ohio state mentioned in there as as Nate, oh, it's from, know, it's, it's from the home state of uh, from the state of Ohio I just
0: that's why we brought back Big Ten football so that they could get <laughs> a team in the playoff and get that t v money and all that fun stuff. so um they're all just playing their part, right? No, I'm just kidding.
1: Uh, I don't know if you can answer this question or not regarding Hastings' defense, but is there a particular position that seems to be like a like a the prime position, like the most important position within his defense.
0: Yeah, it's linebacker. He's a linebackers coach by trait. Obviously, I'm Mel Tucker's been a linebackers coach as well. But when you when you're going to roll with two linebackers, um, those two guys have to be pretty darn good. Because I mean, you can have you can have linemen climbing in the pocket to get to them. Um, so there's a certain size F, size level there. But then they're also the ones kind of. Um, you know handling tight ends right out of their releases Uh, there's just not as many guys to to zero in on if you're the offense at that level so one of them's obviously the communicator who's going to help put it together which we know is Antoine Simmons but it really you you can't quite have scrubs there unless you just have a studly defensive line which I, I do think that is the strength of this Michigan State defense but it's not to the point where you can just throw anyone out there at linebacker. So they're putting a lot on Antoine Simmons's plate.
1: Yeah, and I as think a he, leader as and a, I think he's up to yeah. the task too.
0: I think he is. That's th- this is where it kind of fits decently well. If you're going to m- move things in a certain direction and say like this position has to ball out this year, you want that to be Antoine Simmons's position. Not just because he's a good player, but because you just have the trust that um, that he'll fit along with the guys around him and he'll get the the guys around him to fit what he's doing as well as possible.
1: So do you, you you potentially may have said this and I, and I missed it. Do we see Rutgers like going, you you mentioned the running attack from at Oklahoma state a year ago. Do you see them going with the run one back set and three wide receivers? Or do you, do they like, will he go, will Scott Gleason go four or five wide at times? Uh,
0: I think they'll probably go one back set a lot. Um, but I, it's kind of hard to say he loves the hard thing here is Sean Gleason loves his tight ends. Yeah. Um. It's, so it's maybe. play action and work the tight ends in. And that is, they there's nothing established at Rutgers at all. And so that's the part where kind of like, do they just, again, do they just run it and say, God willing, or do they say, you know what, <laughs> this team's not really set for that aspect of what we like to do. Yeah. So we're going to play a little different. You'll probably see a mix between that. I bet they'll use receivers more than he wants to, but, um, you know, they're the bread and butter. Of their offense is still using tight ends and they'll find a way to do it. So maybe,
1: maybe a lot of two tight end sets. They could have four tight end sets. Oh. And I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. I just,
0: know, I love it. <laughs> well, one thing about them, they love to go hurry up. So you'll see offensive linemen rotating in there. Um, especially if they don't feel like guys are built up to it yet with the, with the flow of the off season that we've had. So, um, but this is a hard game to figure out because the ideal setting for for a Shiano team what he I you can see what he eventually wants is is a hurry-up offense that kind of puts the foot on the gas and ends life for the opposing team um and he just relies on his defense. I don't think he can feel that way with the defense he's inheriting. Um so how much do they kind of preserve clock on offense? <laughs> I don't know. It's both teams the, are kind of guessing in that yeah, way. Yeah, the the, as to the, what they the have. theme
1: for this week has been, or maybe even the entirety of the the entirety of the off season. A lot of unknowns. Per- perfectly. It's a sums lot of both unknowns. Teams. For All right, sure. But well, I will
0: say the okay. thing that's interesting to me that the Michigan State, and you know, we talked a lot about how Scotty Hazen did things with the four-two-five. Mel Tucker is not traditionally a four-two-five guy. He is a three-four hybrid guy, um, and so what that. I think there's it's very likely they're going to have a lot of flexibility within all of that, but um i would I would it was answered the question earlier about, yes, that's what Hazleton normally does, but yeah. we know Mel Tucker's going to have plenty of an imprint sure. on this, and I think it'll vary between three and four man fronts as a result of that.
1: I, mean, I don't know if uh, boy, I don't know if, does Michigan State have the personnel to go a three four at this point would be a, would be a question I would have uh, for that? so but, no
0: not not as a base defense right. but there's always some there's always some settings especially if it's obvious pass down and you bump you know certain players
1: inside um, where they can make it work gotcha all right well that'll wrap up that portion of it and throughout the season we're gonna add a couple other that that we'll we'll talk about that stuff and then we'll add a couple other segments as the season go along here but we'll also have this segment that we're coming up that we'll do every week and that is big 10 picks nate and i are gonna pick all of the big 10 games and uh we'll see who does better each week and we'll have a winner at the end of the year and there's no real prize for it or anything maybe we'll come up with the prize at some point in this season but right now it would just be bragging yeah, we'll, we'll see how
0: we each have to see how we start out in week one <laughs> and what we're willing to wager and how close it is if i go but, th- uh, if
1: i go three and four in the first week then uh then we're not doing it <laughs> then there's no, no there's nothing at stake all right yeah uh, i w- this th- i'm doing the games in order of start time so uh first up on friday illinois at wisconsin nate
0: yeah I mean, this is the game when Wisconsin pulled the you know laid the egg last year, and Illinois kind of turned their season around. Wisconsin wants revenge for that game it's It's stuck in their crawl, so especially um to get Illinois at home at Camp Randall uh with the uncertainty, you certainly lean on the more established program. that's the Badgers.
1: I will also take Wisconsin Rutgers at Michigan State. Ooh, the big one. Uh, I think you got to go with Michigan State, though. Uh, this it,
0: It's going to be quite a bad year if they can't take care of Rutgers at home. But I think they can come out and, and lean on some of those skill players, and Rutgers isn't going to have enough of an answer for it. So we'll go with them.
1: Yeah, even, even in Michigan State's few leaner years, uh, they've still basically been on Rutgers except for two years ago. So I, I think it's going to be Michigan State as well. Nebraska at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, like I alluded to, I don't think uh, <laughs> don't think Nebraska has a very good chance in that. I think because they were the school leaking things in the offseason. It's not a coincidence that the Big Ten said that's where you get to go to start your season. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Ohio State.
1: But Ohio State was complaining too, so it's <laughs> so. Yeah, but uh, they weren't
0: leaking the secrets the Big Ten had to try and you know announce a new season.
1: That's true. All right, Penn so. State at Indiana.
0: This one's interesting. That Indiana roster is a lot better than people would expect. Got a lot back on defense. Pretty good quarterback in Penix. But it's one of those kind of things where Indiana's a program has still got to show me. So I'm going to go Penn State in a very close one. And uh, But it's if Indiana wins this, it could be a huge confidence booster.
1: Yeah, I really went back and forth on this one as, on this one as well. But I ultimately went with Penn State. Iowa at Purdue.
0: Another one that's really hard, but I'm kind of leaning Purdue. I think uh you know, the Rondell Moore show is enough to bet on and, and Iowa's got huge quarterback questions too and they're a team that when they have quarterback questions can uh be a lower lower much
1: lower version of themselves. Yeah, I think this is a pick I'm going to end up regretting because I went with Iowa, but we'll see, we'll we'll see what happens. Michigan at Minnesota.
0: Ooh, this is a college game day one, right? I believe so, yes. Um, I'm going to go with Michigan. This this one's really tough too because I think there's a chance Minnesota is the best the best team in the West, but uh, Michigan the line of scrimmage is just usually tough enough
1: and um, the, yeah that one's tough
0: but I'll go Michigan.
1: Yeah, even though this is the Spartan Speak podcast, I also went with Michigan. Those could be some famous last words from us <laughs> on this part, especially if Minnesota you know and Bateman and and the, the quarterback come out and just light things light light the sky up. But, uh, all right, last game, Maryland at Northwestern.
0: Uh, going to go with Northwestern. You know, they were pretty much the normal Pat Fitzgerald defense last year, but had absolutely no offense. So just getting Peyton Ramsey as a transfer quarterback, I think, is more than what Maryland's going to
1: have to roll with. I have to admit, I'm surprised you went with Northwestern. I went with Northwestern as well, but I thought, I think there's a little bit of buzz around Maryland with uh, Tua Teglivo's uh, younger brother, the starting I believe the starting quarterback there now. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Northwestern's got to figure a lot out. They got a new offensive coordinator as well. But I just,
1: guy like Peyton Ramsey's played enough Big Ten games. I think week one, he gets it done. All right, you've you've talked me into it that I made the right choice in picking Northwestern in the first place. All right, I'll ask you this: since uh, we did it on Tuesday's podcast, what is your what's the Big Ten title game?
0: Uh, I think the Big Ten title game is going to end up being Ohio State against Minnesota. I just think there's enough uh, offensive questions on Wisconsin and Iowa this year that it's slightly different. Yeah, uh, you know, that kind of goes against me saying Minnesota's going to win lose Week One right. though at home. So um, I don't know how I'm going to square that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I just mean, think it, there's, there's this has got to be Minnesota's year if they're going to break through with the you know with the the quarterback and, and receiver talent they have and yeah. building off of last year. Well, there's
1: so, there's seven games after this. A lot a lot cannon will happen between now and then. Yeah. All right. All right, man. I think this is this is a great first podcast. I enjoyed doing this and I hope I hope the listeners enjoyed it and because we're going to keep doing this every week. So, hopefully some insight into Michigan State and Rutgers and and how those teams run their teams in terms of offense and defense.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a good good start to this. Like I said, we're just trying to get better one week at a time <laughs> and hopefully along those lines by next week we'll have actually lined up some kind of bet for the picks when Phil is four picks behind me. <laughs> Even though I think we picked all but the same two, so I don't know how that math works. Yeah,
1: Like you said, we're trying to get better every week. We're zero and zero every week. That's what I'm going to tell myself for the podcast and for our weekly picks. (laughs) All right. all right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at phil underscore friend and at nateatkins.com. Underscore. Thanks for listening.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.